You're listening to For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another edition of For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. It's been a couple of weeks. We've had life just hit me in the ass, which I will I will get to in a second. But we're back. Uh, it was great to do our season or episode recaps of Andor, but now we are here to talk about the entire season. We're going to do a season one uh, recap discussion We'll just be going through the whole season talking about the big things that stuck out to us. So we've got the three of us today, right? Like just, yeah. just us three? Yep. Sounds about right. Wait a oh. minute. Hey! I'm back, <laughs> motherfuckers. Hello, sir. Hello. I, say that? I can say that, yeah. Yeah. I Welcome back, Jake. Before. I know. Thanks. It's been a while. Holding us down. <laughs> Curse. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jake is back. It has been a, a, a minute, but it is it is good to have the whole crew back once more because we haven't had you on since uh, the beginning of the Aldani arc, but yeah. we are finally, the boys are back, and uh, it is it, it, it feels good. So I, I, I said it had been a, a, a hell of a, a couple of weeks, and that's just because uh, I got hit with the old COVID bug. And then, Me like, too. five days later, Jake also got it. So that was fun. But Brutal. I was out of commission for, like, two weeks. It was horrible. Like, I would, I was ready to go back to work, and then I, I, I got sick again. And, like, when I went back, they were like, nope. And then there was another <laughs> week of being gone. It was just, it was not fun. And, uh, you know, I, I was under the impression, because of how people have been talking about it, that the pandemic was over. Uh, and that COVID wasn't a thing anymore. Yeah, so, no, it's gone. We don't need to yeah, wear masks or nothing yeah, anymore. Yeah, apparently, yeah, apparently a, uh, that that wasn't true because it's the, just a cold now. Tell that to my yeah. 104 degree fever that I had. For two Worst days. two weeks yeah, of my cold. life would uh, would say otherwise. And uh, this was my first time having it, so I, I can't even imagine. Uh, like you had it bad earlier this year. Yeah, and... January first, I was sick for 18 days and I lost 18 pounds. Oh, that's. Ugh. That's brutal. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. I it, w- it was like, it was just it was so typical. Like things were going great. We put out our uh, Rick's Road episode. I was like, oh man, I feel great about the show. Things are going great. Gets COVID two days later. I'm like, motherfucker. And then we're back, but we're back three weeks later to talk about Andor season one and how it was just a masterpiece of television. Uh so, Jake, uh, you have not been on since episode four. Uh, so yeah. if you want to just real quickly give your summary and your thoughts on the season, what you thought, uh, and go from there. Okay, so um, I'm going to go quick with this. It was the best Star Wars thing ever. I mean, we've been sitting on it for like three weeks now. I continue to rewatch episodes all the time. Um, every single day I would wake up before going to my 9 a.m. class and watch the episode. I would get home from school and watch the episode. I would go to work and then get home from work and then watch the episode. I would every single week. It was just a repeat of that. And now I'm like having withdrawals because it's over. But like, I just think 
that like the way it was able to build off of every single episode and like each little minute detail was able to like uh, talking about bricks it's funny because you know brick brick you know brick yeah no, um bricks and screws it's bricks. not star wars no bricks and yeah. screws in star wars. no bricks and screws you know <laughs> we don't use bricks to hit fucking fascists over the head That's um, but yeah like awesome. that show was just able to build i fucking love that man uh <laughs> the show was just able to build off of everything so fucking well until like you know, just hit the end and then everything was able to hit like that one perfect climax where everything came together because that was the one thing that like throughout the show i was kind of like okay, how are they going to bring all of this together? There's a lot going on here. And then they did, and it was fucking perfect. And I mean, like, it, like, gave me the exact same kind of satisfaction as, like, in Last Jedi when all three main plot points come together and then explode. Yeah. Like the That's, holder maneuver. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. That was how I felt when, you know, the the funeral march was happening in Andor. Like, it was just, it was mm. so fucking good. I mean, it's... It's the closest we've ever gotten to a perfect Star Wars. Like, it's completely set the standard for Star Wars TV moving forward. I think that, like, I, again, I don't think that things can really get better than that, to be honest with you. But, like, everything should strive to be it moving forward because it was, it was just perfect. It was so good. Yeah, because I was like, I was kind of thinking about this, like, just today going into that recording and, like, literally what you said, because there's been a lot of talk about, like, you know, and or being like the new gold standard for Star Wars television. And I think, you know, not necessarily for like tone, because like the tone is its own and it's all Yeah, no, you can't cool. mimic that tone. Oh no, but it's it's the detail and the world mm -hmm. and, the, and the world building and just the just the attention and care to the right. characters. Like because we get to see them like going through their everyday lives. We're not just seeing them, you know, like going off on on these missions and getting little snapshots of that. Because like Obi-Wan right. came close to that with mm -hmm. uh with the first couple the first couple episodes like you know seeing what right. his life is like on Tatooine but like this Andor takes it much further we get a whole sense of like the community on Ferrix you know we get a sense of like the the day-to-day -day lives of like Brasso and and, mm -hmm. and Bix and even characters like Tim which we don't necessarily like but, uh, right <laughs> but we got know, to the, know these characters on like an actual yeah. human level like which exactly. I feel like we don't get a whole lot and that's just like something that like yes like something like mando is fun where it's just like every episode is a new mission like it's like that meme it's like oh no baby yoda drank all the milk i guess we gotta go get some more milk like oh no baby yoda <laughs> did this thing now i need to do this before i can get my milk i got baby yoda's milk and now he drinks all the milk like Man mando series three the search for blue milk <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the search for blue milk. That's fun. That's enjoyable. Like, there's places yeah. for that in the Star Wars universe. But, like, we also need those real human interactions. And this is why, like, seeing the way, like, not just, like, the Star Wars community, but, like, the t television community as a whole has been responding to Andor and how a lot of people have just been saying it's the best show of the year, period. Yeah. Like, better than House of Dragons or, like, um, the Rings, Rings of, of Power, Power or, like, or, yeah. Like, that that's what people are saying and we have not seen anybody say that about any other star wars show yet and exactly. i just think that like you shouldn't just strive to make a good star wars you should strive to make tell a good story and like make like a good product and so like i feel like that yeah. is like the difference do that, you like, yeah think it's part. like a difference between like how mando is very serialized and like we have like okay we have mando and we have grogu and then every other thing is like secondary like we only we only really focus yeah. on these two characters whereas everyone else 
We got recurring characters, we got background characters, but like it's it's a joke. We do quite a bit on the show of like Favreau like not naming background characters <laughs> yeah. or recurring characters. Is um yeah. do you think it's like something like that, or do you think it's just a, a, a difference in present? Like I, I agree with you. We're like this, I would probably have this as my favorite of the series. But I also agree that like not every show needs to be like this. Like there's room Star for the Wars. Pulp. And Star Wars room. is like ice cream. There's yeah. many different flavors. In there's the room for all this, right? And like, yeah, like you're now gonna have whether Just people want to do it or not. Disparage other people's yeah. preference for ice cream flavors because that makes you would. Dick. Yeah, you're gonna have <laughs> yeah. the the and, and this this is the the problem with every franchise is you're gonna have now anytime someone comes any anytime something comes out that like is less than. Or is like not as received as well. It's like, well, it wasn't as good as Andor, and I can see the the positives and the negatives of that because it's like, well, that's just now, fandom in yeah. general. Yeah. it's always it's good like we want People things to be about something. good all the time, but like we were so spoiled with this that it's like, like is this a good thing or a bad thing going forward? I feel like okay, it's so a my good thing, thing for Star Wars. It's a could be a bad thing for the fandom, but we say that with right. almost every show. Well, but you also, it's like a lot of the times that someone would just say like, wow, Andor was better than uh, Mando. And people automatically take offense to that. That I don't get. Because like, I will sit here and say that Phantom Menace is better than Revenge of the Sith. That's my personal preference. I think something we all forget about is we all talk Menace. about personal preferences. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it is. Like people but, <laughs> do rank it. Like, I, that's the thing is like people will do like rankings all the time. But then, like, when you're talking about shows, if you're like, well, I like this one more than I like this one, that uh, it's like, 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 everybody wants everyone to have the same opinion as them. And then they get mad when they don't. Yeah. I think it's like like, that and more just how they just phrase it and they're just being a dick about it. Yeah, that is There are instances where people are being a dick, but I feel like I've also seen just as many instances as people being a dick to someone that wasn't being a dick and they were saying that they were being a dick. So it's like, there needs to be a balance. You need to understand that you being like, wow, Andor was so good and everything else is fucking shit and shouldn't exist. You're being a dick. Or if someone says, wow, Andor was was better than Mando. I think Mando should try to have a little bit more like production value closer to what Andor had. And then someone says like, well, you're just a piece of shit saying that Mando's garbage and Andor's better. Like, no, now you're being a dick. So well, no, because this has maybe been like, imagine Mando if like it was shot in Pinewood. I'd be like, oh my God. And had My only thing that I think that other shows should strive to be more similar, like Mando, again, no, fuck the tone, fuck, like, I mean, the story, like, there's room for the dark dramas like Andor, there's room for the serial fun stuff like Mando. There's room for everything. Right, just fucking get the production value there, and the only real difference, I feel like, is just, like, having people in charge that know how to use the money that they're given like kenobi kenobi had some production value shortcomings like there's really no denying that yeah it was mostly because it was it had the lowest budget by like 50 million dollars compared to any of the other shows if you give it an equal budget those are gone so like yeah like imagine obi-wan kenobi with the budget of andor that would have been absolutely insane it would have been phenomenal like i i i still love the story of kenobi but like i mean again there's 
it's the production stuff. And so like that yeah. isn't always the creator's fault. A lot of the times yeah. that is whoever's in charge or managing, producing, whatever. It's just not having enough funds or resources or not knowing exactly what to do to them because they're newer to the industry or whatever. So like, I, I just think that like the only thing that really feels acceptable to really say that like, wow, these shows need to do this the way Andor did is meet that production value because none of the previous shows have. And, and again, who, who's maybe if Mando and Boba Fett and Kenobi were done in Pinewood, they would have, maybe they wouldn't have. Like, again, we, we don't know. Cause again, a lot of it is leadership. Like Gilroy is just fucking phenomenal at what he does. But like, I feel like that is definitely a justifiable comparison and probably the only one that I feel like is like worth talking about because like to just sit here and say like, yeah, Mando should be as serious as Andor. Well, like, no, no. Mando was as serious as Andor probably be total dude bro dog shit like, exactly because it's like you're missing the, the, that, that missing that, like, the point there when they say that yeah it's yeah. like mm-hmm. at least jake and i are the same people that like we'll talk up andor but then we'll be we'll, probably watching young jedi adventures religiously so of it's like I am. yeah he so like is like my favorite cold wars arc so like yeah we're like tone and like we talk about clone wars like the tone of clone yeah. wars varies Per episode, almost. Right. Like, yeah, you can have like a goofy two-part arc with like three PO yeah. and R two, like sit here goofing around we... on a planet, and then you've got like another episode where like a character is being tortured. And to you death. got fucking like right. Maul talking Maul with beheading death people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, like, we like, sit here and we compare the production value of Clone Wars to Clone Wars episodes. We talk about how season one looks like shit compared to season seven. You should be able to have that conversation about the shows between shows today like i feel like anyone that gets like super super offended on that like yes we all understand that people worked hard on it it's not their fault they got half the budget and because yeah. lucasfilm wants I to function it, out I of california also... because they're non-union workers and they can pay them less money and expect less out of them so like mm-mm. and i, I think so it it's sticks like... out a, a bit more because we got book of boba fett kenobi and andor all in the same year back to back and they to back. all yeah. varied in yeah how they looked production wise and exactly. how their stories were told which again is not what we're talking about here like in this case we're just talking about the production and right. i would say even though I, I thought book of boba fett was probably the my like the one that connected with me the least out of the three it, it i'd say like, like like you said it probably had more budget than kenobi which is confusing to me because they were hyping Kenobi up as like did. their I, big exactly. project. I think that Boba Fett ended up doesn't getting help that COVID happened. Yeah, I mean, right. definitely. Yeah, that, that is, that, that is definitely something that like um, Kenobi, I think, was going to be shot at Pinewood. Like they no, were, was it? I'm pretty oh, sure they were going to shoot it overseas. I'm pretty sure they were. And then COVID uh, happened, and they're like, "Well, shit." Yeah, again, that, just goes, that just goes back to the shortcut thing. Like, it, it's just a shortcut thing that they started doing. And I think that part of yeah. that is just it's Star Wars. They know they can get away with that. They're still going to make money off of it. But, like, should you? No. Another thing I was going to kind of like say about like about this is that you know to, to look at a more positive angle with like these series. What's great about Andor is that it it shows that st- that yes, we can tell different kinds of stories with with yeah. Star Wars. And I actually think that this is the first kind of Star Wars show aside from like because Mando did the whole kind of weekly adventure thing, but this is mm-hmm. the first show to really take advantage of the TV format where you have more time. Yeah. 
to dig into the characters. And if anything, it's made me look forward more to Mando because now that that tone, that style will be a little bit will be a little bit refreshing to, to mm-hmm. see after Andor because it is what made Obi Wan uh, a breath of fresh air initially when we, when the first two episodes came out because it was like oh this is very different tone yeah, than storylines from Boba Fett, Mando yeah. and Book right. of Boba because we we'd had three we'd had two series of Mando one series of Book of Boba Fett which were all pretty much the same tone. Mm-hmm. Because it was the same creative team, and then we get to Obi Wan, and it's just it's very different. Very different. Andor is different is fur- different further. So like, it, yeah. If anything, it will it will kind of make the shows more special. And really, yeah, every show here should strive to be as unique as what Andor is doing. And I absolutely yeah. agree about the production value stuff because like, it's 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 kind okay. of it, it's in. So yeah, go on. with Kenobi, it was two things. It was. They, they axed the first writer and brought in Joby because it said that, that. Uh, pre-production on the series was underway at Pinewood in London by January 2020 and screen tests were taking place. But then like all the writing stuff happened and then like then it got delayed because of COVID. So they ended up going to um, LA instead of Pinewood. And yeah, there's kind of a trade off there because like, because I've read, I've read Stuart Beatty's like what? Because Stuart Beatty's talked about like the, the differences between his his version of the script and uh, Joby Harold's. And I'm not gonna lie, the actually... Vader, like the Obi Wan Vader final duel in his version with what we got, it sounded like it would have sucked. Yeah, I, I you know, I, 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 like, what was the difference on that one? To... Like uh, oh, oh, apparently they uh, have one jewel. They have one jewel, and it was like uh, one duel Obi-Wan on some like space yeah. stations type shit, and like Vader yeah. was gonna defeat Obi Wan or whatever. And oh, that was that dead. original concept art where everything yeah. was falling down around. Yeah, him, right? that yeah. was the concept okay, art. Yeah, so, and so I'm like just Vader like, would push him off, and it's what? like. I can't, I like th- I like the surprise of Obi Wan defeating Vader more. I feel like every addition Joby yeah. made with the script actually worked because, again, mm-hmm. in that script, like, I need dies. that man to write more. No, I, w- no I want that man to write more Star Wars. Yeah, the only exactly. thing that I I kind of preferred about the original was the Cody being in the story. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love that. I like but I feel that. like they I think that would have been cool. they took him but, out the moment yeah. that I feel like I feel like Harold took him out the moment that um the uh that Reva's redemption story happened. happened because because yeah. if she goes to Tatooine to kill to kill Luke then Cody is going to be there and he's going to protect Luke and then that's like an easy way to kill him off and I I feel like it's a lot harder to sell her redemption if you mm-hmm. have her kill, kill Cody off so he, Cody. He, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He like, had to go, basically. He that, had to go. Does that mean that they're going to kill him in Bad Batch Season 2? Well, we'll find out in about... Uh, I've got my eye on Crosshair. Have. I have got my well, eye on well, Crosshair. Well, hey, if you this. guys want, just go look at Twitter, because people are telling you everything that happened let's, during the season of the screeners. Let's not let's do not. that. Yeah, There's, let's, like, full-on screenshots of every single episode that are out right now. I haven't so, seen them, but I... These people are going to make it so that Lucasfilm doesn't send screeners out anymore. Like, this is what happened when Bad Batch Season 1 came out. They stopped doing screeners because everyone was just posting spoilers. And now they're doing screeners again for Bad Batch Season 2, and the same shit is happening from the same kinds of people. So it's like... Like, you signed an NDA. You can't show this shit. You're ruining it for everybody else. Exactly. Um, but so. before we go into like arc by arc, one more thing I, I did want to touch on now is now that 2023 is going to be like very, very rich with Star Wars content is we're going to get those differences in tone with all the shows we have coming out because we're going to have yep. 
Skeleton Crew, we're going to have Mando, we're going to have Ahsoka, we're going to have Bad Batch, Visions. Uh, there's there's going to be so much so where, like, like Connor said with the ice cream metaphor, there's going to be something for everyone. And I think that's the great thing about Star Wars is that, like you said, it, it's not a, like not everything needs to be dark and serious because I don't fucking want that at all. No. Like if, if like you said, um, a show like Young Jedi Adventures per se was like had Andor's like tone, I'd be like, all right, well, this is kind of weird. Like, it's you just, imagine like, a kids show yeah. with Andor's tone? <laughs> yeah, but like I think in terms Yo of one like, could the, do it probably. Yeah, like the oh deep my God. like meanings in the, in, in the writing and also like. <laughs> how much care was put into the production and, and these characters and building up not just our main cast, but everything around them in the world building. I 100% agree. And I, I, I kind of hope that's going to be the thing going forward because like, especially now that we're going to have all these different shows coming out that like are going to feel different. Whereas like we get a bunch of MCU shows per year and they all like, they, they, they hit the same boxes, but they all kind of feel like they might have different like genres but they all kind of feel like okay, this is an MCU show. They kind of feel the yeah. same. With it Star is Wars, like the, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's the I kind feel of like, like getting long-standing kind of criticism against the MCU is that like yes, yes, the shows are generally very good, and I, I enjoy a lot of them. But there is that kind of like sameness that somewhat pervades because it is all basically the same studio, and you know the director only has so much freedom, yeah. and that's why like when there's like a project that's like really original everyone sits up and takes yeah. notice but like and like I, visually I totally like they, they they kind of feel the same uh production wise because they probably all have the same amount of resources and budget directed to them but i feel like it's going to be unique going from andor to mando to visions yeah. it's going to mm -hmm. be like a, a really cool well that's what's experience. great about star wars is that like they're again we, we've said it but like there's room for all of that and so i feel like yeah, sure, comparisons are fine, but, like, you've got to realize that, like, you can't compare everything. Like, I'm not going to sit here and compare what's a, a test of courage to Light of the Jedi, for High Republic example, because mm -hmm. they're it's, very different. Yeah. They're made to be different. They're mm -hmm. made for different people. So and they also complement each other super well. Exactly. They do. And they we're going to be the same people that talked about Andor and gushed about it week after week. It's probably going to be the exact same thing with Bad Batch. Uh, when mm -hmm. we do our episodes, so but we're not well, going to be not like me. I don't love Bad Batch. But... Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll kick you Maybe off they'll the show. change my mind. Maybe there'll yeah. be an actual story this season. Uh, mm -hmm. Omega is all. Apparently, I it's need more. Uh, from what I've seen, it's more like arcs. Oh, okay, which, good. Which is a better a better That's thing nice. for that show, I think, yeah. with that episode count. I, I think could be wrong. Do like don't well. quote me on that. If you quote me on that, well, shit. I think doing well, we have the reporting. Would be a good idea. Fuck. Well, I could be wrong though. We'll we'll have okay. to see because uh, the the amount of times it's been delayed, I'm actually shocked it's coming out right now. So I know, yeah. <laughs> but I guess let's Friday. start with uh, going from. So we're gonna do arc by arc. So let's start with our beginning episodes on Ferrix. Now I think a, a smart thing for me would have been to rewatch the episodes while I had COVID because I knew this episode was coming out. I did not do that. So this is going to be all memory on my end. But like we have talked about, what really struck me with these first three episodes, which we've talked about on our recaps. If, so if you have not uh, watched our individual episodes, we have them out for all the episodes. And we had a bunch of amazing guests 
uh, which I have shouted out, and I just I'm oh my god, it was such a great time doing these these recaps. It's a shame that Jake couldn't be there for most of them. Uh, but fuck school, just man. Immediately, like it felt different. Like we get like oh, so we're on like the the Star Wars like red light district immediately, and like that first scene in that bar, and then Andor you know gunning down the two. That's one of my corpos. favorite scenes in the show. Immediately, you're like. This is that this two is saw new. scenes are my top three scenes in the show. It's so like like yeah. Well, I have a, I I know what my favorite scene is, but like uh, like that opening shot is like, the opening scene is amazing, and I love how all of the stuff that happens in the show just like results from that one little scene. It literally it's like a mm. little explosion that just like literally reverberates out, and that's what's great about the show because like as we mm-hmm. see, it's all about exploring consequence, like exploring the consequence of war and the consequence of like actually having to take action and fight a fascist system, and also seeing a fascist system in action because like uh, obviously I'll get some more more of the empire in the later arcs, but yeah, this this opening scene with the with the cops is great, like the way it just progresses and we see all this stuff with. Cassian, like we get a sense of his character and the different place he's in compared to Rogue One, and it's like for me, these opening three episodes with his backstory instantly justified to me, like because I know there's maybe some people doing the side eye about like why you do a show about Cassian, like when when you have all these other more notable characters in Rogue One, and then you get the answer straight away with the backstory mm. that that Tony Gilroy came up for with him, which is which is great. Like it's just yeah. it's. It's just I love the because it's a kind of story we've not seen in Star Wars before. Yeah. It, it's it's an immigrant story. All the Canari never... stuff is completely fresh and new and felt like it like it felt like like we said like like the the thing that people have thrown at this show. Ooh, it's not it's not Star Wars. Well, it was new, oh, but it's it still felt Wars. like Star Wars. It's very it's Star Wars. Very Star, Star Wars. Wars. So it still Star has Wars. the themes of Star Wars baked into it, just in a different, like, just in a different way. Manner. And it's like yeah. I, I've discovered, and th- this is going to be uh, maybe a bit. This might ruffle a few feathers here, but I have discovered that when people say it's not Star Wars, or when they specifically target Andor and say, "Yeah, it's not my thing. I, I don't really like it." Or it doesn't feel like Star Wars. It means that they view Star Wars as Jedi and Sith and lightsabers. And that's fine. If that's what you like, that's what you like. You're allowed to like, like we said, it's a, it's a ice cream. You're allowed it's to like me. whatever. Yeah. It's me. But like. It's me. The, like <laughs> it, it, to me, it also means that like you like the star and you, you tune in and, and you get excited about Star Wars because lightsaber go burr. And it's not about like <laughs> the stories and the characters and all that stuff and like the different things that you can tell. And I, I think that Andor in particular has, has weeded out the people that like Star Wars because of the lightsabers and the Jedi and who like Star Wars because of Star Wars, the universe and the amount of stories that you can tell in this one that it doesn't necessarily need to be about. I mean, I, I love Jedi. I love them. I have 8 billion lightsabers. I have all these stuff. But, like, I am so down to, like, with Andor. It's really cool that they're expanding the universe. Exactly. Like, if it were up to me, I would tell just Jedi stories for the rest of my freaking life if I were running Lucasfilm. But I'm not. Yeah. And so, like, but you also wouldn't be like, oh, Andor is not Star Wars because there's no Jedi in it. Yeah. Like, it's just. 
Well, it also I think, though I think the, the people that. Go ahead. Yeah, you go. You go ahead, Jay. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's also, it's also the people though that like they only expect like the weekly cameo thing, and like I feel like that's just that's not even a Star Wars issue. That's like a media in general that's issue just right now. Fandom. Yeah, that's a fandom issue. Right, that is like, just like it, a, a present day thing. Yeah. Like, like, like rings of power. Everyone's like, when are we gonna see the real Sauron? Like, okay, watch the fucking show. I don't know. Like you see it with the MCU, every single new that's MCU show that comes out. Yeah, no, literally. <laughs> like so, like still, like MCU. I'm behind on the MCU. I haven't even watched like the last two shows that have come out. I still know every single fucking cameo character we're expecting each week because it's all people we're talking about. Yeah, it's and always so pasted like, over Twitter. Yeah, right, I, I actually think is. that the I think that the cam the, the lack of cameos really helps the show because like. I There's feel no like this is the thing, because like we don't get yeah, <laughs> like that's a, uh, that's another thing about the show though. Like just quick digression, the fact that it is so complementary towards the canon, anything that it mm -hmm. that it adds to the canon, yeah. it also Mansions builds on Gorman. stuff. There's that whole there's that whole bit right, about the Gorman like, mention. Uh, yeah, yep. the and then there's the whole Canari thing seemingly contradicting right with uh, Fest. Yeah, yeah, and then and then they have yeah. a whole Pablo, bit of dialogue Pablo that just tweeted deals about with that it. yesterday. Yeah, he was yeah. like, Pablo tweeted about that yesterday. He said that Gilroy just kind of like figured that one out on his own and made it work. And he was like, he didn't have to do that, and which he is, did. Which is fantastic. And I, and again, that's right. I love the dedication for someone who doesn't really tout themselves as much of a Star Wars fan. It just shows that he's mm -hmm. you know, he's a good. Oh, writer. he's for sure a Star Wars fan attention. now. I feel uh, like he's he, a Star Wars fan. It's a, yeah. it's a bet. So this is a bet. We're being him, and like, him, so him and Diego Luna had to talk themselves had to talk themselves down from doing like a five series, which would have taken ten years. That's oh my, my question. I want to ask right now. I was gonna wait until later, but we can since Don brought it up, we can talk about it. So now that we have our first season and we kind of have a good idea of where things are going to be going in the future, do you think that it was a best for the show to narrow it down to two seasons or do you wish that we still had that vision of the original I probably five i probably would have picked three but i really like the route that they're going to go with two especially with the like whole each arc is going to do a year like yeah. that's yeah. really cool do you I'm think really if it was five seasons do you think season one would have played out the exact same or do you yeah. think probably okay, yes. do yeah, I think like that they, what probably they happened decided is like, what it. was it four? It's well, four they were going to do next season, Yeah, right? there were four yeah, arcs, four. and it was during the Aldani arc. They were literally shooting the Aldani arc, so they had the whole first season plotted out. And it was only when they were shooting the Aldani arc that, like Diego Luna and Tony Gilroy, sort of they said they just sat down and they just realized this is going to take ten years, and we 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 won't be able mm. to like like we we can't we really re dedicate that much of our lifespan. Yeah. To like yeah. making that much Star Wars, so like it, it made that that was when they decided. So like season one would have been exactly the same, regardless of how many seasons they did, because they were already shooting. So they had all the scripts sorted and stuff like that. But um, I was going to say there was something I said I was going to say earlier about um about Andor, but yeah, it'll it'll come back to me. Yeah, I kind of am with Connor because like three, I think would have been the nice perfect balance. Because I am a bit worried that season two is going to kind of have to rush things a bit and not have yeah. the perfect mm. pacing that season Be a bit one did. Uh, now, I'm fully confident in Tony Gilroy being able to pull it off, and I think we're going to yeah. not really have those complaints. But I don't it is think something that he would have condensed it like that if he had he known that it. it would cause narrative problems. Yeah. 
Right. Like, I'm, I, he's very much the kind of guy that he's like, well, yeah, I don't want to work on this for 10 years, but if I need to, I will. Like, I think that's how he is. And, like, I'm sure Diego is the same way. I know that we would have had people fucking shitting their pants and crying and whining and shit. Like, oh, he can't be playing a 20. Shut the fuck up. Like, just shut the fuck up. Um, he's he playing look old. Oh. So, like. No, he looks the same fucking age that he did in Rogue One right now. Like, y'all got to relax. Dude, he's, he's straight up aged thirty-two-year-old, neck-bearded, basement-dweller yeah. like, bitch. The first episode, he had a full-ass <laughs> beard, and the last episode, no beard, looked completely different. I was like, yeah. "What yeah. the fuck? How did this man age backwards?" Well, I he think that way was younger the point of the show. Face. They wanted yeah. him to look tired and miserable at the start of the yeah. show, and then as he put himself together and kind of became the Cassian that we know, he, he grew into that, and so yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I it's, people agree. are weird. People complain. So I just kind of, I just kind of got back to that point that I was that was going to make actually about like. So we were talking about cameos, and I think what I like about the fact that there's not a lot of cameos and that there's not any cameos in the show aside from unless you count Admiral Yularen, uh, sorry yeah. Colonel Yularen. But, but that like, was a narrative really, purpose that made sense. Yeah, and it works, and it but it all works because the uh, having not having any Jedi and not having any familiar characters, it's it it gets across the feeling that most of the galaxy is feeling under the empire because it's mm -hmm. easy for us to like to see the hope for the future and like the fight against the darkness when when you know the ability to fight against the darkness when you when you're following someone like obi-wan or the rebels crew who are very sunny and yeah. upbeat characters despite all the heartbreak they later go through but like seeing everyday people seeing everyday people who are like completely removed from like the clone wars and you know the prequel trilogy and and even the cast of the original trilogy it it, it helps us show just how you know crushing the presence of the empire is and and why some people think it's it's hopeless to even try and fight against the empire and how it just pits people against each other in like the smallest of ways which is just really cool because we see that with you know we see that with tim and we see that with mm -hmm. uh with i can't believe i've forgotten his name <laughs> with uh cyril khan and and because he's not even empire what he's empire adjacent bastard. yeah oh my what god he's so, he's so what a weasley little motherfucker he's i, I love him he's great he, he's great because he's so pathetic he's so pathetic mm -hmm. so he's mm -hmm. he's a character that's he's, so easy to hate my my like favorite he's, thing he's about our, our finale episode was how it just turned into a 25 minute tangent about cyril because of Emily, that yeah. was just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The manifesto of Cyril Kern. But no, I, I agree with with everything that, that's been said so far. And like the show, which we've talked about in every episode, is that the show had done such a great job at portraying just how awful the Empire truly is. And there were those moments in the first couple episodes, like, well, who really is the uh, the bad guy here? Uh, Cassian's stealing oh a bunch my of stuff. God. Like, oh, they took these people hostage. But then it's like we see the Empire on full display in the prison arc, which, holy shit. And then Dude, I, at think, the I end, think that's my favorite arc. Yeah, I, I, that's absolutely. Same. Chapter 10, favorite so episode. Perfect. Yeah, One Way Out is. Is an all time. I'm classic. so I'm annoyed. I I'm annoyed. I didn't get to cover that episode on the podcast. That was, it was oh so good. Yeah. It was so good. I anyway, would never yeah. have shut up if I was on for that episode. I, I think honestly, most of it's because of Andy Circus. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I can't that, swim. And that, and that shot at the end. First four times I watched that, beautiful. had me cry. 
Oh, oh it, is... it goes up over and you see everyone swimming away. I love that shot. That shot is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's one of my it's my favorite shot in the whole show. I love the sim symbolism of it. Yeah. I've it seen looks like so the many symbol. I've seen so many the empire. Yeah. It's great. I've it's seen so many so edits good. of that one shot. It it just they always click. But that has made me very excited about or or at least interested in the the concept of having these actors that have mainly done like mocap for Star Wars get to have another go at it like as themselves. Give Lapita Nyong'o a new role. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, get Lapita Nyong'o in something, whether it's Acolyte or, or, or any project going in the future. I love that one. But also in Acolyte, you. bring her back as Maz because that would be really fucking That cool. would be really funny. She's all in with more the Jedi. Maz Canara like, the she, only has a, thing... she has a puppet form now. Just put Maz in more Star Wars plays. The have only thing I need great. in Acolyte is a Christina Ariel cameo. That's yeah. it. If, if it's not, or just make her a fucking character. Jedi robe. She already make her a robe. side character. She already she has deserves the it. <laughs> make her a side character. Was Star Wars. It, did she show up in Kenobi or, or am I? Yeah, yeah she did. She's in like. It's a, yeah, she's like. Two she's a shots, background extra. In she's Kenobi. sitting like right yeah. next to Leia. And she's like sitting shots. next to it. She's sitting next yeah. to them both in like one shot. It's really mm. cool. Unreal. But they're able to give her a role there. I love that. Yeah, but, very, uh, very nice. We're so, like, shirt twins. Me and Christina are shirt twins. Nice. That's getting clipped. Jar Jar Binks <laughs> representation for the win. I fucking love Jar Jar. But I love Jar Jar too. He's he's awesome. We'll but, be talking uh, about a little plug here. We'll be talking about him very soon with Blue Shadow Virus. Uh, when we get Blue to Shadow Virus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like the first, uh, the first arc is really too, good too because real. it, it oh, yeah. sets up that theme of community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that arc is that. I am very <laughs> interested in going back and rewatching the arc because that one we had the luxury of watching all at once, whereas the other yeah. ones it was re released weekly. And I, the way it hit, because like when the first couple episodes ended, I was like, we're ending here. Like they just kind of ended like suddenly, but like in the picture, the big picture of the arc, it worked so well. And then with the culmination of episode three, it was like, okay, everything's just hitting and, and, and working so well. Yeah. And I'm I, I'm interested in, in re-watching this show like all in back that to way. Back to back to back yeah. to back to uh, back. And just yeah, see like how, how, it, how it turns out because with... Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to do it because it's too heavy. It gets, yeah. There are times where it got fucking heavy for me. Yeah, there, there are points chops like... The chops of nine, man. That's afterwards so dark like where episodes just kind of like naturally ended where like i was like if, if if the first episodes hadn't released weekly i mean all yeah. at once i maybe would have been like with our first review i might have been like ah, you know it kind of ended weird i don't know where this is going but because we had yeah. it all at once and we kind of knew how I the think show that's was why going, they ended up switching my three episodes i feel like it, personally it was like it just worked to do it. so well as one thing it feels yeah. like it feels like a movie, like those first yeah. three yeah. episodes. And I feel and, like and if it tells you, you what the up, show is, right? And if you break that up, it's like if you just sit down and watch only the first forty-five minutes of Force Awakens. It's like mm -hmm. okay, like sure, you got something out of that, but what? Yeah. So I feel like, like that, that's kind of why you they get did the full that. picture. Yeah, because it, it, yeah. it and it also tells you what kind of show it's going to be. It's like this is right. the kind of show we're not just we're not just going to be single episodes like Mando. We're going to have like episode arcs because right. like by the end of episode three. Connects. 
yeah, very it's, much like end of episode three. It's clear yeah. that it's ending and transitioning to something else. It was great to like to episode four again, not to sound like the the bit that we created of like everything has to be compared to Star Wars, but you know, it reminded me a lot of uh, Clone Wars storytelling, but in in, in a live action format. So <laughs> it was it was very it was it was nice to see that kind of multi-episode arc storytelling done in live action because like with mm. mando and like with obi-wan like they all like they had an interwoven plot and i like, feel like mando and obi-wan are very different in that sense of so, like obi-wan yeah. very much to me felt like a movie that they stretched out yeah whereas mando, mando it's like mando, we had like, a season story but like each episode right. you can watch more. yeah it's kind of like doctor who episode. where it's like yeah, yeah, it's like a self-contained yeah. episode, and then there's like, like Andor is a little bit here and if, there. If you connect. started Andor in the middle of the season, you'd be you would incredibly not have any confused. Clue what was going on? Yeah, same with Kenobi. Like you couldn't just start Kenobi in part four. Yeah, no. It was like, know, all right, why the hell is Obi Wan on you? Part one of Kenobi's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so, so it's amazing. <laughs> but like. I feel like with Mando, other than maybe the first like two chapters, you could probably pick that up just about anywhere. It's yeah. like you'll be like, who's this yeah. Moff Gideon guy? And it's like, yeah, I'll figure it out. But like, who's this Moff Gideon guy? I mean, all of us that have watched all 16 episodes barely know either. So it's like uh, Gus Fring. That's all you need to know. That's all. That's all you need to know. Moff uh, Gideon was the friends we made along the way. Yeah, but <laughs> that's um, how he kills us. Yeah, but like <laughs> I am. It, it, it was it was different, and it wasn't what I was expecting with the art structure and the storytelling. But once we got a feel of it, I really enjoyed it. And it gave yep. you more time to, like like I said, breathe, get to know Ferrix as a community, which I think was the strongest aspect of the show. I feel like was... Ferrix was written, like the planet and community itself was written as its own character. And I feel yeah. like that's why 100%. it works so well. Like, yeah. I feel like the only time we've ever really seen that with a planet is maybe Lothal on like a much smaller scale, yeah. I feel yeah. like. But like, it's uh, so yeah. cool. Yeah, it's so all cool. Cool. Like, was... love that. It's what Book of Boba Fett was trying to do a bit, I think, with Esper. And it's like, we could get into a whole other conversation about how I feel like Book of Boba Fett should have had Andor's episode structure and maybe Mm. even a little bit of the total stuff. I mean, 12 episodes is a pretty big... That's another thing. I feel like we really need to go up to the 12-episode format. It just gives these shows much more time to breathe. This isn't just a Star Wars thing. This is a Marvel thing, too. I mean, a lot of the six-episode Marvel shows really struggle. My problem, like I've said before, like Miss Marvel, I thought was fantastic, but it needed way more than six episodes because it just felt like it ended without like concluding the story or yeah. mm-hmm. you have that problem like book of boba fett i think they were trying to do that their issue was because they only had seven episodes and they had to shoehorn the mando thing in there is like we had a bunch of these characters that mm-hmm. had kind of joined boba's community go multiple episodes without showing up or without really right. doing anything yeah. with andor the fact that we kept cutting back the ferrix and we kept seeing bix and mm-hmm. brasso and all because you have characters. the time to do that it made the finale exactly. and and the funeral and and the whole uprising against the empire so much more impactful mm-hmm. because we had gotten to know these characters and this planet and this community throughout the course of the entire season yeah and, it and just the payoff such... really actually hits whereas like exactly. when boba and cad bane finally face off it's like well okay yeah like sure we who watch clone wars and have yeah, for us, the lives and watch big. those reels, yeah. the unfinished Clone Wars reels a hundred times. Like, we know what all that is like. But if this is your first viewer, Star Wars story, right. it's going to be like, who the fuck is this blue guy showing up <laughs> that's all like, Boba Fett? Like, who yeah. the fuck is that? <laughs> like, 
they don't Fett. know. And so like, yeah. if you actually give Boba 12 episodes and you're able to continue to utilize flashbacks, because I think flashbacks are a cheap story cop out, but they can work. And in Boba Fett's case, they really did for those first three episodes. And if you could keep yeah. going with those and we could see oh, yeah. some of his history with Cad Bane, we could see more of him working with Fennec. We could see all of these things that help contribute to the overall story. And then we can actually get to know the mods. We can get to know a little bit more about Chrysanthemum. We can actually yeah. expand on what the fuck was going on with the Hut twins because I still don't know what the fuck that was even for. Yeah, that just kind of like, maybe make the conflict a little more complicated. Like we, we get to know maybe right. individual pikes better. We maybe get a few more enforcers besides. That's Cadmain. another thing, so though, is like, the pikes. So Fennec has someone to fight and stuff. And, and like, mm -hmm. even like the, the two episode. Mando digression wouldn't feel as jarring because we've got 12 episodes so you can accommodate an aside right. episode, like a bottle episode almost that just focuses mm -hmm. on Mando or an episode that just deals with Grogu and Luke because you, you can afford to do that because you've got 12 episodes. Right. But with the so, Pikes yeah, too, the casual yeah. general audience, they don't know who the fuck the Pikes are. We know who the yeah. Pikes are. We know that they're one of the largest crime syndicates in the galaxy. These people probably think that the Pikes are just some random nuisance on Tatooine. They don't yeah. They don't ever really go into that. And like, I don't like, think that you have to. And I know this yeah. is turning into a Book of Boba Fett conversation at this point. <laughs> like, it, it, but just, like, it made you think that they were going for like a syndicate war type of story, and then that didn't happen. And then we were yeah. like, oh, okay, well, that'll be in season two. And now it's looking more and more likely like that's just not yeah. ever coming. So it, Which it really sucks, would, because a season two yeah. of Boba would, I think, be stupidly fun. I think yeah. that Boba yeah. had a lot of really good things going for it. It just couldn't execute. Looking so back think, on it now, it seems way more like a Mando interlude than yeah. an actual full fledged like series. It's like a comic book miniseries in, yeah. in mm -hmm. like setting right. up in between series. Yeah. And you know what? That would be fine if they hadn't called it the Book of Boba Fett. I think if the, I saw someone call it like just call it the Sands of Tatooine. That would have been cool. Like that would have worked. I wouldn't be so upset that Boba wasn't in three of his own episodes. Or just have the Mandalorian like title over it and then like have the Mandalorian right. the Book of Boba Fett. Call it like that. how it's and like Star Wars, the, Book the of Boba High Fett. Republic. Yeah. It could be the Mandalorian Book of Boba. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then it isn't as jarring, titles, but yeah, anyway. But anyway, this is, yeah, this is, this is a book of yeah, Boba Fett. Or, episode, so yeah, but I guess we, I can, <laughs> are we on the bounce, Yeah, I can use this to uh, bounce off of like, we talked about flashbacks. So we had those Canary flashbacks for the first three episodes, and then we occasionally flashback to Cassian and his father, which I thought the way those were done were just absolutely oh, so good. I actually, I rewatched so those today. I just did. the way that, like, at points uh, we see, yeah. at points we see a younger Cassian, and at other points we see like present day Cassian, depending on like the perspective. I just of really the liked how what they were able to do is, for the most part, from those back shots we saw younger Cassian, so we knew it was a flashback. We knew that this is Cassian reflecting on a moment that happened, but then when we see his face and his reaction, it's back to Diego, and so we're really able to, like, for me, that was very telling that he hadn't fully moved on from those moments like he was still yeah. very much in that situation like in his mm -hmm. mind and i just think that is so fucking brilliant because like they could have just showed us the flashback and had us try to figure out like why we were seeing this but the way that they did it just very obviously like told you what the purpose is and like again because i do think that for the most part flashbacks are a really cheap cop out in stories but the way that Andor was able to do them, it it serves its purpose. It wasn't too much. Like we got just enough to help like 
give context to the modern story. And then we moved on from it. Like you didn't just sit there and dwell on it. It was perfect. Yeah. Do you think that we maybe should have gotten more of the Canary stuff spread throughout the rest of the episodes? Because the one thing is like Marva in episode seven is like, stop looking for your sister. She's gone. And then it makes you think that we're going to get back to that. And then we don't. Do you think that's going to be a season two thing? Or do you think, I think that they have, have to go to back? To that's it. I think they're going to resolve it in season two. And it could be something as little as Cassian gets confirmation that his sister died. Or that she got off and she's living his life. Her life. Mm-hmm. Well, I maybe Marva knew about her, his sister right. and didn't tell him Because about I feel it, like there's like... more to the Marva thing too. Like I know like there's there's the conversation of well what Marva did wasn't right. Like that white savior yeah. shit. And that's true. And I feel like people are talking about like, well, the show kind of painted her as a hero for doing it. I don't really think that it did. I just think that we haven't gotten to the point where the show is really going to discuss that. I, I, think, I feel yeah, like there's too much it, other stuff have. going on. I well, feel like I there's going to be, especially with her being dead, we're going to yeah. hit that point where Cassie has exactly. A big theme throughout a lot that. of the show is the, the shades of gray. And like, that's yeah. it's another thing. Cause it's like, like right Marvel there is not, Marvel is not, painted as like a, a awful person for doing that it's a complicated right. thing she meant well you know and she had her reasons for doing it but it, it, it we also see the consequence of that we see how mm-hmm. his lack of community because cassian was part of a community and that will the lack thereof and having to like be forcibly taken and, and forced to integrate into a new place he's never quite been able to do that and you can see that because he's you know everyone on ferrix clearly loves him because like even though he he owes a lot of people money most of the yeah. people on there, they they, they told you know they, they didn't tolerate him necessarily. Like people like Nurchi don't like him. People like Tim don't like him. But a lot of people like Brasso and Bix uh, and the other characters, they actually do appreciate Cassian because because they understand what he's been through. And it's that idea of community that it just looks out for people who don't quite fit in, like a functioning community. And that's what's really nice to see about Ferrick. So it actually despite being kind of like a hard-bitten working class kind of place it does feel almost a little bit safe in comparison to the other worlds we see like that are downtrodden in the galaxy and so like when the empire starts to get a foothold there in later episodes you you actually feel like something is being threatened something is being violated here and that that gets into the whole theme of like you know (laughs) i can't get the word colonialization you know and all that Mm -hmm. whole theme of like you know the empire basically being a metaphor for like colonizers as we see in the Aldani arc with, with the Darnies. Yeah. Yeah. No, I no. feel like too, that go- just kind of lends itself to the whole idea that like, this is the first time the empire has really been scary in a very long time. Yes. Like, yes. It's when was the last say, time like, we heard a TIE fighter screech and actually you're like, Oh, like that oh, never shit. happens. Yeah. That never yeah. happens anymore. And so like the fact I mean, that usually, Angel was able to do that, and like when they yeah. arrived on Ferrix, like you, like again, we weren't just angry it's that the Empire was there, right? We were angry because like they were there taking something that we had all grown attached to. Like again, it wasn't just like that's the bad guys. I know that they're the bad guys because I have forty plus years of content telling that they're the bad guys. You are shown exactly why they're the bad guys, and you hate them yourself. Exactly, and it's it's kind of like I mean it, it's most it's dealing a lot as well with the banality of evil and showing how the empire like sort of crushes the life mm-hmm. out of people with like this rigorous procedure and this like you know stifling environment that sets people just climbing over each other to like succeed and get to a higher position. We see it with Dedra and we kind of see it with Cyril, but like 
you know, I think the reason the Empire is so threatening as well is that we, we, we really get to see how this system flourishes. And that's why it's good that there's no Sith in this, like no Inquisitors yeah. or anything, because, mm -hmm. you know, usually those characters, they will overwhelm the narrative when they come in, because, you know, they're Sith, they have lightsabers in the Force. So, like, and that's usually what's happened with Obi-Wan and, you know, other shows like Rebels, like where the Empire, the Empire have their moments where they feel a little bit intimidating, but... But it's like the Sith are the main feel... threat. Exactly. Right, and because the, usually the you have your kind of an aside. officer yeah. that looks like a fool compared to the yeah. big scary Inquisitor that shows up. And, mm -hmm. and we have, like, arrogant, we have arrogant, uh, in, we have arrogant Imperial officers or incompetent ones. And that's what makes Dedra and characters like Partagaz genuinely intimidating as characters because they're smart they pay attention mm -hmm. to stuff they 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 aren't they they have their arrogance they have their blind spots and their flaws but they they are smarter they're smarter than the average i, lo I love partigas yeah, <laughs> yeah. partigas is my guy. guy but like he's, that's he's, why he's i cool. loved the way you lauren was handled is because he shows up but they don't really make a big deal out of it. They don't stop. No, the you're not supposed dead. to start like whooping yeah. and hollering like, yeah. "Oh my God, it's Yularen!" Like, and like you don't see like know. all the imperials. Oh my God, that's that's Colonel Yularen of of, of the, mm -hmm. the like. You don't get like that moment. It's just like if you watched Andor and you had no idea who Yularen is, you can still enjoy the episode and you still know like, okay, well that guy right. is definitely scary. a higher he's up. Yeah, like you can just, just tell. Gruff, yeah, he's a gruff, yeah. like, yeah. grim They don't have to stop the episode dead and, and be like, that's the guy that narrated the Clone Wars! Like, you don't, like, you don't have <laughs> like, that. Like, please but, like, keep recapping. with Anakin and Ahsoka! Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, we don't, like, and I, I just really liked the way it was it was handled. Uh, but now I think we can transition, well, well, hold on, before we do that, I gotta just real quickly be like, okay, this these arcs gave us Bix and they gave us Brassos, so I'm I'm forever grateful. And also Vetch. Uh, but now we can transition to the Aldani arc. And I, yeah. again, loved how this was handled. The way that they introduced us to these characters and, and, and this pause, and we get to see, like, the progression of Cassian uh, in his slow journey into becoming a member of the rebellion that we see throughout the series because we were like kind of expecting like okay so it's going to happen in this arc and then it didn't and then it's like okay so well the prison and then it almost did but like not fully and and then when we get to episode 12 it hits so well but getting introduced to vel and cinta and uh the people that we lost like Terraman and gorn and skeen and and, and our guy nemec like it was great getting to meet all these characters and follow on that journey and then get introduced to these parallel stories like with Mon Mothma and with, with mm -hmm. Luthen and his double life and then getting to see Dedra's escalation through the ISB. When we got to see all those multiple stories happening at once, it worked so well and it never felt like the episode needed to like stop dead in its tracks to like, okay, well now we got to talk about Mon Mothma for a couple minutes. Like, it was handled in the, the the transitions were pretty seamless. Uh, there were a couple episodes in these arcs and the prison arc where it felt like Mons was kind of like secondary to everything else going on, in, in at least in my personal opinion. But I loved all of Genevieve O'Reilly's scenes. I thought mm -hmm. she absolutely knocked it out of the park. And just one more time, because we we brought it up every single time, it's like hats off to. George and the casting department of Revenge of the Sith for like getting Genevieve for this role, 
not including in the film, but then like years later, bring her back for Rogue One, and then this, and just she's a tour de force, man. She is so freaking good. Like that, like that first few, the first few scenes she shares with Luthen in his shop, just the it felt so like it felt like a surreal experience just watching it, like the tension. And just while they're they're talking about this and just having to like have these facades and these double lives, like when you would cut back to like Mon's driver, and like you get to see his perspective of like oh they're just talking about like buying the sword or whatever while they're like oh the Aldani and it's like the way both of them are able to switch from their like public appearance to their like behind the scenes appearance too like that was just such great acting. Yeah, oh, like the, the bit of Stellan just going like that and then just like switching yeah. in, is instantly iconic because it's that good. Like, Stellan's a, like, uh, Luthen is a great character as well, but like, Mon Mothma, I'm so happy that we got to explore her, as you said, Andrew, and just like, just follow her and like show the, because like, I think Mon has often been like seen as like a little bit almost like, uh, almost like, uh, somewhat of a, I, I can't think of the phrase but like she's often been seen as almost like on a on a pedestal like a moral pedestal of mm, like oh yeah. look we see what all these other characters go through and meanwhile she's there like preaching about like plus it's the, the fact that behave. like oh she's from Chandrilla and we all thought yeah. that Chandrilla right, was, was going to be great place. utopia and it's yeah. completely the opposite it's completely arranged yeah, marriage like yeah. gro- like cult culture at points and it's just like the stuff that we see with Lita later on where it's it's pretty much like it's like the south of the galaxy. Crap. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and the fact that like Lita's like you know Mon's daughter is falling into fascism, and then Mon is just like fuck it, I'm gonna marry you off for the rebellion. Like, yeah, that again, that She's again, like, yes, please. It's yeah, no, literally. <laughs> but like, it's it's the gray thing. Like everybody's kind of in the gray in this show, and like I know people were like, well, George, there's no such thing as the gray. He said that about the Jedi and the Sith and the Force, and that works for your average everyday people. I don't care if that's what George said. That's just not true of the average yeah, but like, person. Then he did the, the see that was for the original trilogy, and then he did the prequels, which literally just flipped mm-hmm. the script on the Jedi. Like you, there you are think heroes the on both amazing, sides. Yeah, you think the, Je- the Jedi are these like amazing, amazing, perfect warriors who never do anything wrong, and then you get to the prequels and, and you see that they're mired, mm-hmm. they're mired in they're bureaucracy. They're afraid mm-hmm. of like of, of interfering in things, lest they tip the force out of balance, and that leads them to be stifled, and the dark side overwhelms them. And blah blah blah. Yeah. Of course, there's going like, to be gray, especially when like a lot of the people we see on the side of the Republic end up becoming Imperials. So yeah, like, of course exactly. that there's that. that they're the thing. heroes now. The clones are the heroes. In three yeah. years, they're not going to be. No, no. I, I, exactly. People just misunderstanding. Like remember when George Lucas said in 1977 that there will be no bricks right. and screws. In my Star Wars, like that's just something we all remember. There's and no that, bricks. There's no politics in Star Wars. There's no, no politics. There's no Easter eggs in Andor. Definitely no, no screws. No Easter eggs in Andor. Uh, is there anything else? No politics. You, you yeah, said no that. Politics, yeah, no politics. Yeah, no screws. No, no bricks. No Easter eggs. No we're zippers. Probably, there's not probably, supposed to be zippers. Yeah. No zippers. Um, I did see one person on Twitter mad that um, what's his face? The kid has a hoodie. No oh, hoodies. oh yeah, yeah. I don't remember his name. But like I, you can have cloaks yeah. with hoods, but you can't yeah, have like, kid, a hoodie. The, the no, yeah, no, the regular bomb. hoodie can have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the kid who made <laughs> the bomb. Name? The kid who made the bomb. Yeah, I'm forget. I gotta like, look. Yeah, that's all I know. I'm by. 
Yeah, uh, but like, I, I think the one thing with Mon Mothma and why like it was so kind of startling to get her like get to see like the the dark side, quote unquote, of Mon Mothma is because even years down the line, like it's been almost forty years since Return of the Jedi, and we still didn't know much about her as a character. So to yeah. get like. Well, Gilroy like, even said that too. The curtain, he said that he was like, was I so was unique. given full permission to basically do whatever I wanted with her. Yeah. Yeah. So and now we, we she we feels find like out, a much fuller oh, character. Now she's got a honest. husband. She's got, that's a little shit. She's got a daughter. That's a little shit. Mm-hmm. And then we get to meet Tay Colma, the God amongst men. And then like all these others. And the devil bitch. I don't like devil scolding. Uh, <laughs> devil scolding. <laughs> Um, yeah. but yeah, like we, we got to see a whole new side of characters that we've known for 40 years, but really didn't know. Like we yeah. knew, like, obviously that's Mon Mothma, but like, who is Mon Mothma? We never right. got those answers. And then we finally got them. And but I tell I also... you what, go ahead. Oh yeah. What we got with Mon in this show really fucking lines up well with what we know about how she handled the new Republic after Return of the Jedi. Like, it all checks out like crazy. Like, again, I know the jokes. Gilroy's not a Star Wars fan. He knows his shit. Like, he seriously does. I, I would be absolutely shocked if he doesn't understand, at, at least at the very basic level, like, what the rest of her story is outside of the films and shows and everything. Because the way he was able to, like, intertwine this story with the rest of the very little that we do know about her, it all fits perfect. Oh, yeah, man. exactly. Like, yeah. I would love to see a series How that so? just follows Mon Mothma, like, setting up the, the New Republic now, and, like, what like, that would yeah. be like. How does it's made it? her such like, a, I, a more rich I, character. Like, how yeah, does it? Because I just can't think of why. Because I don't follow her, so, like... <laughs> but, like... Like, how does it line up? Oh. Yeah, Just yeah. because we we know about like her handling of the new republic, how she kind of like was like pressured into demilitarizing and like allowing like both the centrist and the populist yeah parties. Like she, I feel like part of it is the way that we kind of need to look at the, the way Gilroy said that she's written to be a Pelosi type character who fights for yeah. one side but then accommodates the other side when she shouldn't. Um, okay, and. Like, the, I think that, like, yes, we do see Mon very afraid of the Empire. She's very afraid of fascism. But, like, I think that it just kind of lends to that idea that, like, later on she's willing to sacrifice a little bit too much. And that leads to less than favorable outcomes. Because, I mean, like, she's the one that wanted the Aldani heist to go down. She was the one that was giving Luthen for the money, I, I think, at least. I don't fully remember. I can't but remember like, either. Yeah, I think she is, like, she is, that's what their first meeting is about. It's about, like, mm-hmm. it's about finance, about, like, whether she can get the money to him for this operation. That's kind of why I think he right. does the Aldani heist, so that she, so that he's not just getting his money from her anymore. What I, I love he, I about he, the heist, He denies that, it, doesn't he? Yeah, even like, yeah, throughout the whole show, does. it's shrouded in mystery. Like, Luthen never mm-hmm. outright, like, outright says to anyone that he was behind it. Even in the conversations we see with Vel and Mon, when we find out that they're cousins, yeah, Vel never outright says like, "Oh yeah, she was it, like at Aldani." Oh it, wait, they actually are cousins. I thought that was just a bit. No, no, they I'm, are. I'm oh, pretty sure okay. they're I thought it was a bit they're, for the longest time. They were Vel. Vel was in her house. 
No, I know, but like I thought it was just like a cover, just like a bit. Oh no, I, well, I like Lita was like, oh, an- Auntie Vel, and like, then yeah, Karen was yeah. like, yeah, really find a husband yet? And then we're like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Like I, that I, shot I, of Mon like smiling like, after like I, after Lita, I know Lita just like yes, just something. This is I just gas I just gaslit myself for the longest time. Oh no! Wow, good job. Okay. Oh no! Cool, cool, cool. So like, so like. But yeah, like the the final thing I'll say about like Mon is it's just it's really we really it really puts us in like her mindset of like how isolated she is there, and it's really sad because like obviously she oh, doesn't have very many trapped. allies. She's so yeah. trapped, and it's just you feel the time like, and it gives her story because there's a risk that her story might feel a little boring compared to like every, it all gives the it kind stuff. of a tragic vibe. Because yeah, and like, it's if any, you look at the tension. whole like demilitarizing yeah. thing that Jake was saying that like we all know about. And like how we all know, like that was basic. That was obviously the wrong decision in hindsight. Right. She always has the best of intentions. She just doesn't always make the right decisions. Yeah, like it's fucking trash. selling your daughter who's falling into fascism to go marry the crime boss. Not the best fucking idea. No, but she like, what would be best for the rebellion? Yeah. So I'm going to be so fascinated how, to see how how her whole story with Lita and uh, oh, and the with fact Heron that she just like comes to a head in series two. She played her husband in like the final episode that was too. Fucking, yeah. that was brilliant. Oh my god! I didn't I catch it the been, first time. I had to rewatch the scene. They've been building it up like, the whole series as it well. Was, like, yeah, it was the, the fact that like, we she, met her, they hinted that was... the driver, she didn't trust the driver. So mm. Yeah, okay, that was it. Like she she knew she didn't trust the driver, and she kind of had a sense that like Perrin was like up to something. Yeah. I can't mm. remember. Really. Well, yeah, because she knew that whatever conversation. Well, Perrin they had, had the problem. Yeah. Yeah. The gambling so, like, problem. Yeah. Mon kind of threw it before. on him, made the shit up because she knew that the driver would report everything to the ISB. And then they did just that, right? And so now they kind of get the cover off of her, so she can do this whole fun thing that we're probably going to see mostly play out next season. So now the ISB is just going to say, "Oh, Mm -hmm. the Mothma family's funds are being moved around like crazy just because Parent is a fucking Parent's an idiot," and then he might get, you know, sent to the brig, and Mon might, you know, lost my husband, but I don't care. Forty chess, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I still can't get over that first. Uh, scene with with Tay Colma where she's like, yeah, my politics might be a bit too extreme for you at the end of it. I was like, oh, such yes! Good, such such a, good, a great scene. It's so good. Very, but very good. Going back to our Aldani Rebels, I, I loved all of them except one of them that betrayed <laughs> me at the end of it. <laughs> Fucking sneak! Ate that bitch. But like, what about Nemec? I love that boy. I love that boy so much, and and the theme of his manifesto, like oh my God, when you hear him reading off the manifesto man. at the end, and the, oh, so so good. I know exa- I know for sure my co-host Jared got incredibly hard at that. Oh yeah, incredibly, incredibly, <laughs> comrade Nemec. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, but again, like getting to know all of these characters and like except for for poor Terraman, we got a little bit of backstory and then they offed him. But like, Mm. I was so happy that like Cinta and Vel, like their stories continued after this arc. Yeah. Because I was worried that like they'd be characters in here and then we wouldn't see them again. But then we we see them back in and then their main characters throughout the rest of the season, which I just loved. And uh, hopefully throughout the rest of the series, because uh, at the end, Cassian joins up with Luthen, so I'm assuming that 
I'm sure we'll get more with uh, Cassian throughout the the next uh, season. That's going to be fun because they were there to kill him, kill him, and now they're going to be working. Yeah, now they have to work together. That's going to be a really fun dynamic. That'll be a really really fun that Cassian and his team. It'll be interesting to see where they go though. Like, are they going to join the rebellion? Are they going to leave and go off on their own? Are they going to die? See, I'm hoping that they stay alive. I get the sense they'll do like their own thing. Yeah, I I, feel like they're going to go off on their own. I hope they stay alive throughout the OT because I don't remember if it was M or if it was Mo that said I would like to see them alive during the sequel trilogy era. Yeah, but yeah. I I, I want I, that. Kind of suggest. I think I suggested as well during that episode that they could yeah. like retire, similar to how uh, Shara Bay and Kaz Dameron are like shown to do that in like the the mm. Shattered Empire comics. Mm. Yeah, because I'm just, be really I don't cool. know. I feel if we've kept them alive this long, it would be kind of cheap to kill off the 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 two gay characters in the show. I'm surprised yeah. it lasted this long, if I'm yeah. being completely honest, because I was very worried Star Wars when they Star Wars. Yeah, but... I was very worried when they when they established that they were in a relationship that okay, well, this means one of them's dying in the all dying heist. Uh, and then they kept one of them alive. So I was like, oh, thank God. Uh, but then at the cost of Nemec and, and Gorn and, and that that skein twist still gets me. Like I still remember like being like Oh my god, like as it was mm-hmm. happening, and then Cassian just yeah, like, immediately gunning up, which I, 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 it's weird. I, it's so weird saying this, but it's so like satisfying watching Cassian just well, it's take crazy him too out. because I still think that Vel thinks that Cassian just, Cassian did just it. killed him, and like she'll him. probably never fully know. Or, I mean, maybe Cassian will tell her if they work together in season two, and well, she Claire won't believe had him. That but... scene where she was like, Oh, Skeen couldn't be trusted, and like, yeah. But I feel like it's. I don't know what the fuck just happened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I feel like we might see the unraveling of that, and maybe we won't. Who knows? Hmm. I I really liked uh, how I liked that we developed each of them, each of these characters, and like we really got to sit with them. Like, because it would have been easy to just mm-hmm. do the do the heist in like one episode, have it be a one and done. Uh, but they, yeah, you didn't have to sit with, with the team like that for two episodes. Exactly. And we also got a sense of Aldani, because again, it would have been easy to just have the one line of dialogue about, oh, look, there used to be people who lived here, and then the Empire came and messed everything up, and like now mm-hmm. they're not here anymore. But we get to see them. We get to see what a, a sort of fraction of what the Dani's life and their culture is like there. So it, it feels like you're experiencing something, and you get a sense of what the Empire is is taking away and yeah. diminishing by being there. And then you, it, again, it taps into that whole theme of uh, colonial, colonialization. And you've got, and then you've got this amazingly tense heist with like this, this amazing like payoff of like Cassian actually, ha- actually being confronted with like the kind of amoral, um, selfish only out for himself kind of personality that he was turning into. Cause like that's yeah, yeah, kind of where he really was. Nice yeah, and exactly, and then yeah, he that sort of, really he did kind of kill, like a moment. kills that version of himself. He yeah, exactly. Kills it feels that. like him. Yeah, like finishing that side of, and like we don't see him go fully fledged into the whole rebellion thing. He still has like some of that like selfishness, but like he's not so much like willing to sacrifice other people for that. No, exactly. after that point, like how Skeen was. And yeah, it's we also start just, to like, see really him become like well. more of a leader in like the prison arc. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And we also get to see like that. 
Yeah, I like, think... the last thing I'll say is that it's like we get to see more brutal kind of like, well, not brutal, but like the 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 kind of things people die from in this is kind of the, there's a lot of scenes where people die in a way ways that take you off guard, like with, with what happens with Nemec, how he's just how he's crushed by the you know the credits, the one who's very much kind of like the philosopher, kind of the left, almost the leftist of the group, gets crushed by literal mm -hmm. capitalism message. Oh basically you know brutal Se message but you also get crush. you also get uh <laughs> he's everyone's favorite crush mm -hmm. <laughs> but like uh you also get the um uh that imperial officer who dies of a heart attack and you get yep. characters that die that you get yeah exactly and then you get the uh you get the character who dies of a stroke later in the prison arc it's very like there's a lot of scenes that kind of take you out of it because they're almost too real like it's not the kind of thing you, you don't see, see that in Star Wars. In Star Wars. We exactly. don't ever see anyone like other than Yoda dying of any kind of natural causes. Yeah, and even then and he just so, like fades away like a ghost. Yeah, it, it's, Again, very, it's still very, very mystical. It's, it's a very interesting like, thing to actually think about. Yeah, yeah. everyone's yeah. always like, either gun. Everyone dies by like everyone gets killed. Yeah. Lightsaber, mm -hmm. lasers, just generally. So like when the, when you hear like the, the a doctor come in and say, "Oh, he's had a massive stroke," you're like. What? This there's is no stroke. Yeah, there's this no stroke. Am I watching Grey's there's, Anatomy? Yeah. There's, there's, this doesn't happen in Star Wars. This is, and it, and it grounds it in, a, in, right. in reality, and you, you, you suddenly feel like very much in the moment there because it's. I because definitely it's, think that those things are what allows Andor to be in the kind of conversation of best show of the year. Yeah. Whereas it hasn't just happened. And, and yeah, uh, what all those came kind of after that, that just, was like such yeah. a like. Mm -hmm. Gut punch, and then the how many guards getting, on each level? Yeah, yeah. no more, than never 12. more than twelve. Yeah, getting to see like Tino's uh, so like entire way of thinking just completely unraveled just in that mm -hmm. one scene yeah. was so great. But before we Tino get Loy, fully man. into the prison such stuff, a great character. I think having the choice of having episode seven be a transition episode from one arc to the next was such a great idea yeah uh, and i think it worked so well because you don't have to waste most of the first episode of the prison arc on how cassian got arrested you can do it in that episode and then focus the full arc on his escape which i think was done great in getting to set up more and more of the characters like dedra and cyril and, and getting to go back mm -hmm. to ferrix real quick and getting to see bix and brasso and marva again uh, and then the retroactively it being Cassian's last conversation with Marvel, which just is just ow, it hurts a little bit. Yeah. And then we got Niomos, which a is lot of bit. The great, just a great Star Wars planet, Star Wars Florida. The, the music and everything, it's so great. And then it's, it's the, also the shock just like very, very blatantly like American police forces being pieces of shit. A one hundred percent. Yeah, thank but you, then Tony Gilroy. Star Wars isn't political. It's not political. No, it's like, not political no. at all. It's it's just, it's a completely unique story, and it's not at all talking about whatever it is you think you're talking about. Because fuck that. Uh, but <laughs> and then and then getting the 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 shock of seeing the uh, the KX droids, and you're like, oh, is that K two? And it's not. But like, <laughs> is that K two SO cameo? But still getting like the okay, like we're getting those Rogue One uh, crumbs, which we get more of. In yeah. uh, the prison arc with Melshi, uh, and and Kino's just absolute. And in the last shot of yeah. the season. Yeah, 
Kino's just absolute <laughs> hatred of that man for for some unknown oh, reason. Messi <laughs> beating the crap yeah, out of so him. like that, but that chaos droid cameo as well is really cool because it it, it is it is obviously like it's setting up uh, K2SO's like later redemption and reprogramming because like you see just how scary thing they are, are how evil so it kind of just makes k2so all the more special in, in that we 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 see what the the prior model was what what he was before he was reprogrammed and like became part of the rebellion i'm i'm so, i'm really excited to see him appear in series two because like you know he, he was my favorite character in rogue one you know alan tudyk's great i you know i've been watching him on resident alien recently you know he's so much fun there so it'd be great mm -hmm. to see him come back why does she but, get yeah, a blaster and i don't <laughs> You're letting her keep it. Would you like to know the probability of her using it against you? It's, it's high. high. It's very high. <laughs> My favorite still is when uh, Bodhi is like, and we'll all be evaporated in the cold, dark vacuum of space. And then Kate just goes, Not me. Not me. I can survive, survive in space. In space. <laughs> like, <laughs> my favorite one is when he's uh, is when he's talking with Jin and she calls him target practice and he's like, "Are you talking about me?" And she says, "Oh no, <laughs> yeah. we, you should stay behind because like the the, the stormtroopers might shoot you and hit might, might aim for you and miss and hit me." And then they both walk off he and he just stands there and doesn't drops sound the bag. So bad to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, yeah, I, can't, I, can't, gold, I can't wait for him to show up gold mine of a character cannot sure. wait for but him episode, to show up episode seven yeah is so much it's a it's really it's a great bridge story and that whole sequence with uh mm -hmm. neomos and you know what happens with the chaos droid and seeing cassian go to prison it's like it's a complete swerve from the narrative because you just think cassian would get on board with the rebellion but he's not because yeah. he's not there yet he has to kind of ex we have he and the audience for that matter kind of have to experience the full evil of the empire and see just how uh disturbing like what kind of disturbing lengths the empire will go to to subjugate people but also just kind of how lackadaisical their system is how you know they they claim to have power but there's that line power doesn't panic and we see that like with the with these power doesn't with these... panic if it's actually used well yeah, that's the thing like that's missing. We see how they're like they're not using they they, they think like, that just the that's the, like Kino's speech in the control room. Was that's my favorite moment from the entire phenomenal. Show. Maybe one of my not, not me it is one of like probably my top three moments in all of Star Wars. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, like the prison arc is 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 my favorite arc. I think and I think it's too. ten is my favorite episode because we really again we really sit in that prison we see just how awful the working conditions are mm -hmm. and the more you think about it the more horrifying and it the becomes. fact that and like that... they were building like the screws to the yeah. panels oh my god of the death it's, star because like, i didn't think they'd explain so what they were gonna do when it was the when it was the death star we revealed that it was part of the death star i, I was figured like, it was gonna be i, I had I a feeling like, yeah what part of it though yeah because I thought it was just gonna be a symbolic thing. Actual again, it... fucking laser dish. Yeah. Oh my god! It's just, I do think I, though I too that, that like it's... the time jumps, like like the the what does it end up being? Like six months or whatever that he's in prison. I think it's a month. I think it's I a month. More yeah. than that, because they there's oh, like yeah. the day. No, because they they yeah. do show he's there for thirty shifts. Yeah, and okay. it's yeah. changed. But it still, because they're able to do that passing of time so well. That's what makes me think that in season two. They're gonna be able to handle that 
year to year to year to year thing really well because it didn't feel like it just like like oh one month later kind of thing like you actually kind of like even though in like the simple way that they did it you felt like he was there for yeah. a while like you could see yeah. it like in the characters in like how it was how it progressed like he suddenly was like why the hell am i in prison and all of a sudden he's like leading it because he had unfortunately became accustomed to it so i think that like in season two they really are going to be able to handle that like time jump aspect of it really well for sure yeah like because every so. yeah because like every episode every episode with with that arc is like just literally drilling down into like just how awful awful the situation is there and it is actually saying so it's not just it's not just well written it's also saying something about like the prison mm. industrial complex about how like right. you know prisoners prisoners are overworked you know they're not they're not the, the prison system isn't interested in rehabilitating people it just wants it, it doesn't it just wants to mm -hmm. move them in and out really yeah. it doesn't care about them and it's they're not released they're transferred the reveal which is is it's so horrifying oh like if not for God. the torture device that is used on bix that would be the single most horrifying thing in the whole show because mm -hmm. just the idea of it is just it's horrible like you see the whole conditions and the idea that people don't even get out of there they just they just move back in and start again and you see the lengths the empire goes to to try and keep that a secret like massacring a whole level thinking that if they do that then it'll it won't get out but then of course because they do that it gets out like the, the empire again keeps panicking and we mm -hmm. see all the consequences of that like we see how it just it the moment you know it it, it literally like we we see kino loy who, who who's a man who's introduced as like someone who seems like he's going to be an obstacle to Cassian getting out. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the next episode, he has gone from like firmly believing in this system and like, Oh yeah, look, if we just do our jobs, if we just do what we're told and we work to the best we can work, we will be let out. We will be released when the empire says we're going to be released. And he goes from that in a single episode to Ew. being on Cassian's side, simply because of just realizing what Cassian is trying to tell him. Like, and it's, it's, it's kind of the, this biggest point that it's that the show makes about these fascist organizations they don't care like yep. everything is always about empowering the system it's never about the individual and it's always about this this system that doesn't serve anyone it's no. all about like you know they don't they don't care about the people dissenting because they think oh look we're, we're we are comfortable we are secure in our position so we don't need to worry about that and then we see over and over again in this show that the rebels are able to like take advantage of that and it's and it's 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 something that it's building on like a years old idea in star wars of like we see the rebels like disguise themselves as stormtroopers or like break into imperial facilities and it all seems a bit seems to make the empire look a bit stupid but like we see a thematic and like a even like like political like meta metaphorical like way of seeing this of like you know power it goes back to the whole idea of power doesn't panic yeah and, and like we we see that the empire isn't really as stable as it thinks it is it, it goes back to cassian's line in episode three is the one way to get into the empire is to act like you belong yeah exactly like, that, that's in. also one of my yeah. favorite monologues like cassian just talking to luthan and just yeah. saying getting about, to see that scene on the big screen before the rogue one re-release was crazy i hate you that was so great let's just talk about i guess one of the seasons we talked about the the tone and everything being like its greatest strength but i think the monologues might actually be the show's greatest strength because yeah especially in this arc the all the scenes with luthan and saw which are just all timers 
and then Kino's and Cassian's are just they're so well done. And, and getting to see Saw Gerrera just for, for a little bit. Look, I'm assuming we're going to get more in season two, but just just a little bit and have him in there and get to see his relationship with Luthen and that first scene where he's just going over all the different like sects of the rebellion worked so well. And then just, uh, lost! Lost! I love him so much. I, I completely turned. Oh, it's so great. And then the, the other one. Yeah, where he's just like, oh, yeah, I'll help Krieger. And he's like, no, you know, he's going to die. And then they just. It's John Fetterman. The That's the other thing, too. Yeah. Anto Krieger yeah. is John Fetterman. Like, so he's like, you can't six, tell me like, it's not. So he's like 6'10. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, the, okay, okay, okay. I want to ask this. What do you guys think is the funniest moment in the entire show? Oh. Ooh. It's a cross for me between the scene with Vetch and Nurchi and the scene yeah. with uh 3D and the other the other Narkinian. Because that's just that that scene is just really hilarious oh, to me. Yeah. They just the fate of the galaxy and like the Death Star plans essentially boil down to these two mad lads just just you know, just deciding scob the scob the Empire, they not be killing you today. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I just love them both. They're awesome. Oh, I gotta think about this. I got the easiest answer probably ever. It, it might be the fact that Kino just hates Melshi for no reason, but I don't know if I can say that. Mine is still that one scream where he yells Melshi. Yeah. When right when after How are we gonna do this with you and you and Melshi? Yeah, like, Melshi! Like I oh my god. There's such rage behind that. Like you know Melshi's been fucking torturing Kino for however long he's been in there. For me it's it's tubes. <laughs> oh that, that was so killed me. Of course. That was brilliant. Like, like I... no, I'm not a trainer. <laughs> and like here's the thing too. I think my uh, Jer my co-host Jared that we had on for the custody battle episode, mm -hmm. like he said it. Saw is so crazy that he's the only one that you have to that you can you can pull a gun on him to de-escalate a situation. <laughs> like he's that fucking gone that that's the only way you can, that's like mm -hmm. one of the only ways you can de-escalate a situation with him. Like that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting as well, like the scenes with Saw, like they they highlight, like they're used to highlight what kind of a character Luthen is with his morality, because we see that Saw is Saw is very much focused on like, you know, he is just giving himself over entirely to the idea of just wanting to crush, just take out the Empire. He's not interested in building any other form of rebellion. He says, I'm the only one with clarity of purpose. And then with Luthen, you know, mm. we see we see just how manipulative he is, and he's a yeah. fascinating character we in, the same, in a similar like, way as Cyril. We get to see like who who really is the most far gone in terms of the cause, like yeah. which one is it? And yeah. I, I think that's a, a really unique way that they've told the narrative, and then Luthen's monologue to the Imperial Defector at the end of Episode Ten on top of everything, mm. was just another just all-time great Star Wars scene. Yeah. Which, there's a, there's a lot of them in this show. And then him with the Fondor. Uh, oh my god, that was such a cool 
such a cool space battle. Like the, that was so cool. The little crumbs that we got, we didn't get many. Double bladed lightsaber, double bladed lightsaber shit. It's like you're speaking my language, Tony Gilroy. You're, you're, it's like oh, we can do a double bladed lightsaber. It's like I got an idea. How about make that a ship? And they're like, that's all we need to hear. Stoke. But I, I, I think the way that the Narkina Five arc just made the empire scary in a way it's it's never really been like it's been scary but like it was like terrifying like that reveal at the end of episode nine was was the most scared i've ever been of the empire like in my life Mm -hmm. yeah and that's i can't remember each episode it's it's the reveal that's the reveal of like there's the reveal where they they covered up yeah they covered up the the yeah. transfer by killing off the entire floor. Oh, and that's okay. yeah, that's okay, after yeah, yeah. the that's after the scene where Bix where gets like, tortured with that horrible. Yeah, I don't want to talk it's about. Like, no, we're not, we're not talking about that. We're not the talking about dreams of that yeah. dead sentient fuck, race. Fuck that. Said, guy. I said. I said. It, I said. I said. Happen. Jay. Well, we're on the. On, yeah, it's not that it didn't happen. We're just not going to talk about it. I said on episode nine how morbid it is. It's the most morbid thing in the whole episode, and I was just like. One of those more morbid things in all Star Wars. It is. I think it is the most morbid thing I've ever seen in Star Wars. It's insane. It's, but yeah, like and then the way that they like, did that, that while plot. also being a homage to Leia's torture scene in A New Hope, but like eight times worse. Well, with, with the and the it, shot with the door going down was like yeah. the recreation, and then of the, the transition from the screams into like the drill. It's just yeah, ugh, and then just Andrea Arjona's like just seeing the look on her face was like all you needed to know and it like it, it yeah. could have it could it sold it more than hearing any scream that we oh, yeah. might have heard it's like when han is tortured like in empire it's like yeah. no, le- le- not showing it like not hearing what it is makes it, it makes it more horrifying because now your imagination is to fill in what kind of noise it must be mm-hmm. and it's just the, the thoughts that go through your head are going to just be horrifying and, mm-hmm. and i think that's what it's a real skill that this arc has in particular of just showing the, like you said, Andrew, the true like terror of what the Empire is and why it needs to be resisted, and that's what makes like the the tenth episode and that that uprising so glorious to witness. To witness all the prisoners like helping each other and like you know lifting each other up and actually getting out of there, and just that whole kind of like that moment of <laughs> poor Kino not being like, okay, what's your head? What are your guys' head canon on Kino? Do you think he made it out of there? No. Tony I'm... said he lived, so... Did he? Oh. Yeah, he had that whole interview where he was like, did he die? I didn't show him die. How yeah. do you know he's I actually, dead? I think I he's a lot... want to know. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he's alive, but I don't think he's ever leaving that prison, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But I kind of don't ever want to know if he lives or not, because I feel like it just kind of... It serves that theme. It hurts. Right, the series. No, no, no. It does It's hurt. not even that. It just fucking yeah. hurts. Can't swim. It's just like. And Could it's you imagine Cassian though if he was like, "Well, over. it's better to drown than go back in there and just what?" <laughs> but it, it serves that theme of like characters sacrificing themselves for mm-hmm. something bigger than themselves, and this idea of like, "Oh, I burn my Man, life." I can't watch that sunrise scene anymore. For a sunrise, oh, I, I watch it all the see. time whenever I want to cry. Yeah. <laughs> But like we see that we see that like not just in Luthen's monologue, but like characters like uh, Nemec and uh, Kino Loy, and then we get like well, I mean, we don't we know. Kind of get Luthen's because like, what if he sees Yavin at some yeah. point? Like that would be. That would be I feel like ja- I feel like if Luthen sees or hears about the results of Yavin Four, he's gonna be like, 
Yes. Yes. Because like we, yeah, but like the thing with Luther, like we get that whole speech, but then we also kind of see how it's easy to lose sight of what you're doing because he's, you know, mm. he's his whole like kind of the thing that makes him morally ambiguous is that yeah, yeah, he's using the tools of his enemies to fight them, and he is getting results to a degree. Like he does pull off the Aldani heist, but he also has consequences because he's not interact. He's not bringing people together. He's just keeping all yeah. these people at a distance and just manipulating them all. And it kind of is just like what the empire does and it, it will only get you so far. And it's only in the final arc when he sees the true power of like the yep. community of Ferrix that he's maybe he starts like, to have a change of heart. Starts flipping. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Cause like the show actually shows you that like, yeah, you've, you've got to have like some characters, some people you need to re remember who you're burning your life for at the end of the day. Like it's all very well and good yeah. to have it just like off in the distance. But then if it's not individuals, if you don't, if it's not people you care about, then it's very easy to lose sight mm -hmm. of what you're and doing. Yeah, and when he and sees it, that at the end, I think that's going to be huge for his character moving forward because he's actually going to yeah. need like some reason to keep fighting, some reason to keep going. And he yeah. sees that the people of Ferrix have that, but what does he have? Yeah. And we see that with Cassian, like when Cassian drops off, like literally saves Bix, you know, gets Brasso and all the other, all the other Ferrix people he knows on that ship, and he doesn't go with them because he... Mm -hmm you know, he accepts that he is now going to be part of this rebellion. He's going to burn his life for this rebellion, but he has people who he, who he knows will now see this sunrise. And that's why I hope none of these people die. Cause yeah. I feel like they need to, they need to live to see the sunrise that Cassian is burning himself for. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Jake, I, like... I asked the rest of the people these, this question last episode, but like, do you think we're going to see everyone on that ship again? Or do you think that's it? Because I think for the vast majority of the season, no. And I think the end, whether it be the last scene or the post credit scene of the end of the show, like like Don just said, we're going to get to see them see that sunrise, whether it be set after Return of the Jedi, whether it be after the first, first Death Star Ooh. is destroyed and they find out that Cassian died. I don't fucking know. Either one would really work. But yeah. I don't think we're going to see them again until they're able to see what Cassian did for them. I, yeah, I, I there was know. actually an episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about tweet. that, but I, I yeah, wouldn't yeah, go be ahead, shocked if we don't see them reunite with Cassian ever again. Because I think one, we'll he said bits. climb, and that's that's the cursed word in, yeah. in this show. And and two, it's just like it would be just Star Wars, very much a Star Wars thing of like, oh, I'll. I'll catch up to you. And then he joins off the rebellion and, and never sees them again, mm -hmm. which is just tragic. Wow. But I, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I do. That like reminds me of like a tweet. That reminds me of like a tweet that, um, cause I was listening to space waffles like earlier today. And like Maggie Lovett mentioned a tweet about like, you know, he will, he basically will not be able to be part of like, he gets turned to Ash Cassian, but he doesn't get to be part of the brick wall on Ferrix. And it's like, Right in the fields. That has been living rent free in my head the whole day now. <laughs> no. See, I I just so, can't deal with uh, not seeing Bix for a whole season. So I'm gonna need Jake to be wrong. Uh, well, she so is a, supposed to be back for series two. I have, like, already I have a brand to build. Jonah. I have a, a brand yeah. to build here. Um, but Could you imagine if we get a shot where like Brasso or something is in one of those like little like space claw grabbers, like we see in Guardians of the Galaxy, and he goes to the debris on Scarif and just take some dust out of space oh, after Scarif has been destroyed. And they're just like and doing a little brick for Cassian. Uses it to make a brick, yeah. 
No, I, that would, I would be shocked, but, but there's no bricks in Star Wars, so how is that going to happen? You're right. How the fuck is he going to do that? I don't know. But that scene with the brick, buildings? or like not brick, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Apparently it's not Star Wars. But that scene with Brasso is just an alt. Uh, just him with the brick hitting the hitting the stormtroopers is one of my favorite It's the most holy shit ever. I've ever seen. I love that, yeah. man. It is, it is so beautiful. Awesome. And I, also, I what think, do y'all like better? Fuck the Empire or fight the Empire? I think fight the... I, I like fuck the Empire, same. but I don't think it would have worked. I yeah, agree. I like fuck just, the Empire. I wish on. they had said it, but like not in that context. In a different Yeah, because like it, it would have... No one would have talked about the speech. It yeah. just would have been it about... Just the, yeah, been it just would have been about fuck the Empire. Fuck the Empire. We, got, we got the F word in Star Wars. I, I yeah, think, like, I'm glad we got shit. I got... I'm glad I'm little... I love how that was said so casually by Moss. Shit. My lightest mask, that guy. Uh, I, I think. I think the fact that like it's very clear looking back at the scene that Fiona Shaw is saying "fuck the Empire." But oh yeah, she's totally. Over, it kind of <laughs> takes me out of the scene yeah. a bit, but like I think it I agree does with you. Too, like, because like it, you can see it. Like that one little bit. Like, like, yeah, that one little bit of it was just like casting me like, "oh fuck the Empire." I would have been like, "hell yeah!" But like, if it was just chanting "fuck the Empire," you're right. It would have been too much of a distraction. Yeah. yeah. So like, like Disney, yeah, you would have like had like Disney like with like sniper eyes all on like, everyone like, what did you just say? <laughs> but but I, I I I am in the on the fence of hashtag release the fuck cut because like <laughs> I just I wanna at least hear how it sounds. Yeah. I, I just wanna I just wanna see what it's like. Now uh I, I just imagined a worse scenario where they release it, but it's it's beeped i just i would hate oh that. no oh uh, the empire i was like no no put fight back <laughs> in the 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 we were this close yeah it's like not oh, fight the empire it's like it, which is I'll, I'll take that instead um but i it does really it still works really well with the scene is the thing like that marva mm. speech is again just phenomenal it's so good and like and the fact that we it. get to see brasso beat the shit out of of uh imperials with the ashes of marva andor it's like it's what she would have wanted but mm -hmm. then i'm I, I so proud the same thing that happened with the aldani heist where they kept cutting back and forth between the heist and the the ritual with the 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 villagers happened here where we're seeing marva's speech and we're cutting back to bix cassian dedra cyril uh, Vel, Sinta, Luthen, and we're seeing how it's in impacting all of them. And, and, and we get to see like how things change for each of them. Like We see Dedra get almost trampled on, and then Cyril saves her. Dude, I'm not even kidding you. Like I, We all knew that like she was going to be in Season 2. I completely forgot in that moment. I was like, oh my god. Oh, I totally to thought they were going to yeah. trample her to death. Dude, yeah. I thought she was yeah. going to get like strung up French Revolution style. But again, like that's that's the whole thing because we see Dedra like just like really like you, you know even despite all of her intelligence she she just misses the like the lesson that Cassian expands mm. at the start is that you know the Empire doesn't care about her she can be as yeah. smart and efficient as she wants and she is and she does she's clearly so much better at like what she does than like uh, most of the Imperials there like to the point where I think her and Thrawn would be like best buds but like you see there. She, her, the empire loses control so quickly at, at the yeah. riots on Ferrix, 
and she is pretty much left to die. And the only person who cares enough for her now to save her is fucking Cyril. Yeah, the creep. <laughs> and it's just we're going to see him at the start of season face. two wearing yeah. some kind of imperial yeah. uniform. He's going to be like her yeah. new assistant. And we're yeah. going to be like, oh, yeah. no. We're, gonna, we're, we're yeah, seeing she's just like giving him the side It's like, God damn it, Cyril. Like but, the ship we like, I saw this tweet where it was like the ship we all wanted, which was Cyril and Mosk. And then, like, the ship we got, pretty much. Oh, Dedra. Just poor Moss. Oh, my he's just, God. Like, in the street, like, guzzling, guzzling, guzzling drink. Yeah, my poor dumped. boy. I know that he's a fascist, but he's just, like... The like, space FaceTime in episode 11 with the awful connection is just one of my Shut favorite things. It's so relatable. It's so relatable. Can you hear me? Yeah. Cyril's room is just maybe the most relatable thing in the entire show. He's got the clone Black Series figures on his shelf and everything. <laughs> me too. Yeah. He needs like he needs like I'd love if we sort of see in the room again. Like if it's me, I would have like he should have like a poster with yeah. like Anakin and Obi Wan on there. And it's in, like, <laughs> I, a pin up of Ezra on his wall. Yeah. <laughs> It's no, like, nah. Cyril would like totally a be a Kiati Mundi fan. Oh, one hundred. Like a corporate headshot, but he's like expanded it out, so it's like a big poster. Like yeah. Cassian it's having like the super Bantha low quality because yeah. he just yeah. kept blowing it up. Cassian with the Bantha plushie in his room, like it's just it's some beautiful stuff. But with the the Empire and with, with Dedra, it's like they keep you know, like the it's it's the theme of the Empire continually ignoring the theme of like genuine human connections and and what community can bring because they have the, oh it's it she like when marva was still like alive it's like she's too old she's not a threat and then them like ignoring the funeral and, and letting it go on and like happen it led to them just getting completely just overwhelmed and like this uprising actually happening because they just yeah. don't know what uh, humanity is they don't know about you know the what caring about people means because yeah. they don't care about anyone they just care yeah. about the empire itself and everyone in it is just trying to move up and and yeah, yeah. gain their, their own yeah also, they're just pogs in the system deidre yeah. to is totally a uh um in terms of the whole like debate of like oh we should allocate more resources not from the like if it were up to like oh build a death star allocate more resources re more resources to like other star destroyers or like better weapons and just not funnel it all into this one project she's totally the, she's totally a uh let's not do this death star thing type person yeah. like she gives off Same that vibe yeah, definitely. Yeah, and Cyril yeah, definitely is probably a Death Star type person. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. He's like, how are you going to get order without blowing planets up? It's like I can think of yeah. several reasons or several <laughs> ways, but you keep doing you, buddy. Uh, like he's, the moment I, he finds out about the Death Star, he's auditioning to be the guy that like commences primary ignition. Maybe that's who. Maybe that's Cyril. <laughs> and then you mm -hmm. hope he's the guy who commences primary ignition in the helmet. But he's then like, I yes, implementing order. I I did love the way that the season wrapped up with uh kill yeah. me or 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 take me in yeah. and what just game is this? smile on luthan's face it was a yeah. great way to end things off and yeah. i am i'm very excited for season two it is it is uh is a little bit heartbreaking that we have to wait two years uh year and a but, half probably yeah. yeah but we'll yeah, have probably. we'll have plenty of star wars till then but uh Accolade. I, 
I'm good. Yes, very much so. I like and Andor in the same year. That's I, the same way that like we're freaking out over these like set picks of the acolyte, I'm gonna be eating up all the crumbs of like Andor season two production until it happens because I'm I'm so excited and I, need I more have... acolyte leak picks. I don't know why I'm so starving for them because usually I don't really fuck with leaked picks, but for some reason, like seeing Jedi again is like I know we're just talking about how like Andor's great because mm. it doesn't have Jedi, but like I'm a whore for Jedi. Season I'm a whore for Jedi uh, yeah, in the Force, yeah. man. Yeah. Like, Live action THR robes, like aliens. There's in, so many in, aliens on the main character like, aliens. Like the fact we're getting so that good. and possibly Survivor, because there's that one fucking like weird ass antagonist mm-hmm. dude that like has the robes and people are like oh, and High he's Republic. totally from High Republic. And he's, yeah. I think he's Everani. I think he's Everani race because he's got the gray skin. Mm. Although he doesn't have the dark. I was thinking uh, Kagi. Yeah. I, I, so, I think he's now? definitely High Republic Kagi? because of the robes. Are they called so. Kagi the Cage? You know that arc where Boba Fett gets his team together and they go try to steal shit from that train? And it's just a train heist oh. episode. Oh, yeah. The yeah, great the people with, with the bright yeah, eyes. Yeah, they got glowing eyes, haven't they? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And that uh, guy has the bright blue eyes. Yeah, that's interesting to think about. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I guess one last question before we do like our big thoughts on the season, uh, the bigger picture. You brought up the aliens thing. Do you think that season two should try to have more? alien characters in there? I don't do you think, think it would try just... to? I think that it will. Yeah, I think you... there's like a reason there wasn't yeah. in season one. I was like, do you th- do you think that, and this has been a, a thing with all of the uh, live action or Disney Plus shows so far, is there haven't been that many alien characters. Yeah. Do you think that they should like, do you think the reason is simply production? Do you think it's just Gilroy Maybe not thinking it would have worked as well with with aliens. I think it was the, the story because if you look at like Ferrix, if you look at when we see the chorus on Underworld, if you look at Neom Niamos, there's a we lot. We see alien characters. We don't see them on Aldani because they're breaking into an imperial facility where there's no aliens. There's none on the at the prison because the Empire is notorious for being pieces of shit and segregating and shit so of course they're going to put which we aliens see, we in see one in episode, we see in episode right. 11 we... exactly and mm. that's why like they put the humans they got the smaller hands they can do the more fine motor function skills like you know putting little pegs together and shit they probably got the aliens who you know oftentimes are bigger and stronger in other facilities doing something else so i i think that the complaint that there wasn't enough aliens like Yes, I get it. There haven't really been enough aliens in most of the Disney Plus shows, but I think in Andor it's kind of excused because narratively it wouldn't have made sense to have aliens in some of these. Yeah, no. These, these parts like, of the show. In, the, in the prison, like obviously, like they would have had all the aliens go to a, a, a different prison mm-hmm. plant and, and and build that stuff because we see, like for example, the Wookies. They they right. are enslaved on Kashyyyk to build other stuff, and it's like they would have sent them elsewhere. I, I just wanted to bring it up because I know that's always a talking point with every Star Wars show is where where are the aliens and and some people do have this belief that if one of your main protagonists is an alien character that you're just not going to be able to take it seriously, which I think is bullshit because Star that's Wars bullshit. has always been a world where that's just it's supposed to be like that. Like 
to us it's crazy, but uh, in universe right. it's totally normal. And that's well, also too, when Andor actually wanted. did the aliens, they looked great. Like yeah, they yeah. were you, done really, you really Vetch. well. Vetch looked right. awesome. Vetch. You the, had, the uh, yeah, exactly. They were really cool to see. Yeah, like, like it was great when we saw them. It's not like again, not to just like sit here and compare because again, like there's the, the whole big topic on that. But like Kenobi, they did not execute the aliens nearly as well. But again, that is not their fault. They were not given enough money. They are the half the reason they work out of California is because there's no union labor laws there. So those are non-union workers that are allowed to be paid less and forced to work more hours. So, of course, the product is not going to be as good as something like that's out of Pinewood, where it's union work, where they're given more resources, they're given more time to rest, they're given more time in general. So, like, yeah, it's just, it's it's weird. It's true. Yeah. We did get Freck, though. We, we did get yes, Freck. Freck did. was done well. <laughs> what a bitch! Yeah. Fucking Freck. The Narkinians would like kick Freck's ass so hard. Oh, oh my 100%. god, they would. They were like, the anti-Frecks. Yeah, they were yeah. like, oh, what we wanted Freck to be. The Narkinians were. Yeah, and, exactly. Because like, they build them up as like so threatening, and then they're like, yeah, yeah, screw the Empire. But then it's Freck like, is Freck, like, yeah, he's like so harmless, like looking like mole rat looking ass, and then he just turns out to be. Then like, he turns out to be a like-minded folk. Like, shut the fuck up, Freck. <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with a fascist. little order. <laughs> Get out of here, buddy. But yeah, that was uh, that was Andor season one. Of course, we finish off with a little Freck slander. Um, as we all let me change should. that. Freck, fuck fuck Skeen. Fuck Tim. Fuck, fuck Perrin. Yeah, and there we go. Now all is uh, returned to the universe. So, thank you for joining us for this. Uh, it has been a pleasure talking about Andor. Uh, of course, this is a little bit late because uh, we all died of COVID, but yeah, it is to be expected. Well, Connor, okay, Connor. Did, but yeah, two of guess us I'm did. Built, guess I'm just yeah. built different. Just, you just built <laughs> different. boy built different. <laughs> I couldn't speak for two weeks, but we're back here now. Um, so yeah, uh, in terms of what to see coming soon, uh, we of course will be diving back into Clone Wars very, very soon uh, to finish off Season 1 and then jump into Season 2. Also in January, we'll be starting off our Bad Batch coverage. So we'll be doing what we did with Kenobi and what we did with Andor. We're just going to be going through the episodes every week. Uh, hopefully have a couple fun guests on there and talk about uh, Clone Force 99 and their various hijinks um but also we have some fun end of year stuff kind of in the work that uh we can we could probably expect either at the end of the year or beginning of january uh we'll we'll work that out but uh we'll do some fun uh recaps talking about our favorite stuff of the year and and, and all that goodness so uh it's been fun jake since you haven't been here in about eight years uh why yeah. don't you start this off where can the people find you what are you working on yeah. Stuff like um, so, uh, you know, y'all probably forgotten. You can find me at Jedi Jake double underscore on Twitter. You can also find me on Instagram now at the same handle. I made an Instagram. Um, and on the Star Wars editor Discord or Discord in general, I am Jedi Jake. I am always on there. And um, working on uh, some fun Star Wars editor fiction stuff that is coming out in the next couple months so pay attention to that um 
And uh, actually, while I was off for a little while, I did have a comic release, uh, Forgotten One, The Day the Sky Turned Green, so you can go check that out at Star Wars Editor. Um, I guess you could say it even ties into Andor, because the Death Star is there, and Alderaan is there, so you do the math. Um, yeah. Very nice. Uh, Connor, I know you're you're a hungry boy right now, so where can <laughs> the people find you? Um, Twitter and Hive at both both at Devil Banana. Um, I forgot about Hive too. Jedi uh, Jake there also. Thought yeah, it wasn't working Connor, still. Sorry. No, it's, it's, it's figuring out its stuff. Um, you can find me co-hosting at over at Knights of the Nerd Republic, part of the Nerd Academy podcast. Um, I pretty much do the same thing there that I do here. Talk Star Wars with people. It's fun. Did our Andor season one review. It's out. Go watch it. Oh, uh, <laughs> we took forever, guys. I'm sorry. Oh I'm no, sorry. no, for nights. Yeah, that's I, out as well. The, mm -hmm. But that was already out. So go watch that if you want another really cool conversation there. Uh where else? Oh, in a gal, uh, in a galaxy epic confrontations. I co-host and write along with this guy. Um, don't know when our next match is going to be. We're trying to have it this month. Can go check that out. Can go check those out over at the Star Wars in a Galaxy uh, YouTube. That's where we do. That's where we release our stuff. It's really cool. I get to write trivia questions. It's it's really fun. Um, and then SWEditorIG.com/slash/fiction. Uh, I don't have anything out right now. I do have a few stories in development. One I can talk about is the Hidden Kyber. It's a story set shortly after the events of Jedi Fallen Order. And it features Sir Junda and Cal Kestis, and it comes out uh, late January. So sweet. All right, Don, how about you? Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at Donovan Mead uh, for however long Twitter stays up. Uh, you can also <laughs> find me on Hive at uh, yeah. Uh, you can also find me on Hive at Donovan McComish. Uh, you know, join Hive. It's fun. It's 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 a nice safe spot. Right now, uh, they're working some stuff out, but I, I'm, you know, they'll get there. I believe it is uh, back up find... as of like two days ago. It is, it is back up and, and yeah. functioning quite well. So I'm, you know, I'm optimistic about its future. You can find me on Instagram at Donovan underscore McComish. Uh, as Connor said, Star Wars in the Galaxy trivia, epic confrontations. Uh, I joined the writing team a few months ago. We've been writing questions for the last couple of matches. We're just waiting to see when the next one will come out. Uh, you can also find me on swlsig.com as part of the writing team. Uh, I released a story back in May, Scars of War, uh, which takes really place. Really fucking good. It was really Thanks, fucking dude. good. Which uh, that guy, this guy, Jake, <laughs> Jake uh, did the artwork for, which was awesome. Uh, and it's a story that follows a clone trooper and a Jedi in the wake of Order 66. So if that's your bag, then check it out. Yeah, I had a lot of fun writing it. Perfect. Uh, as for me, you can follow me uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Starlight Andrew. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at For the Repub Pod and on Instagram and TikTok at For the Republic Pod. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, For the Republic Podcast. Uh, get us uh, the subscriber count up so we can do some fun live stream stuff on there as well. Uh, but we will be doing some stuff on Twitch fairly soon. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, help us out there, uh, so you can watch us in glorious video form, uh, and 
yeah, we got some fun stuff planned. Like I said, I got some stuff I'm working on myself, uh, just trying to get back into the swing of things uh, after uh, dealing with COVID, but we're getting there. Uh, so COVID's a bitch. Wear a mask. It's terrible. Uh, so to everyone, uh, if we don't see you before then, have a happy holidays. Have a Merry Christmas. Uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, and until next time, may the force be with you always. Thank you.